1: Welcome, podcast listeners, to the Absolute Return podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamochko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering, And on today's show, we welcome special guest, LiMetal Metal founder and CEO, Mache Yastrzemski. LiMetal Metal is developing and commercializing technologies that address key challenges in the supply chain of next-generation batteries. On the show, Mace discusses how lithium metal plays an important role in battery technology, advantages of Li metal battery technology, the company's plans to ramp up commercial scale production, the importance of having domestic lithium production, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with Li Metal CEO, Maciej Eszemski. Welcoming from Toronto, Canada, we have the founder and CEO of Li Metal, Maciej. Welcome to the podcast today. I wanted to start out really just going over your background, your career history. You had roles in engineering and management, a number of companies, Hatch, Barrett Gold. Do you want to discuss your career history prior to launching Lion Metal and what you learned in those positions that helped you ultimately found a new company?
2: Sure. And and thanks for having me. It's uh, very much a pleasure. So I, I started my career at Hatch... Uh, fresh out of school, the, you know, in, in sort of the archetypal mechanical engineering role of doing uh, component and eventually equipment design for a number of technologies related to metal production. And, uh, you know, it's it was really a great place to, to cut my teeth uh, and really for any young engineer to cut their teeth because you get a lot of responsibility very quickly. You You know, you see things through the whole life cycle from concept through implementation. You get to see it built, and you get to feel your own mistakes because, of course, uh, not everything always goes according to plan, and and then you have to respond and, and and make it work. So it was it was a great place to to learn. So I did that for about six years. In the second half half of my career at Hatch, I started a, a part of the or a group really within the company that focused on uh, development of new technologies and new products. So. Again, focused mostly in the metals space, but branching out a bit into energy, and that's actually where I first started to to uh, kind of develop that passion for for clean tech. Uh, so we we successfully commercialized a number of technologies, built a, a really good team there, worked with a lot of great people, built an IP portfolio, and uh, when I moved to Barrick, it was really to focus on that commercialization piece. Mm. So uh, while I was at Barrick, the, the Main role I was hired to do there was to help them commercialize some of the, the existing technologies they had developed externally. So we did that, but the role really kind of grew, and I actually helped them manage a, a development lab, sort of their piloting lab uh, in Vancouver. And that was actually great; it exposed me to a lot of uh, process piloting. How do you go about sort of going through the different piloting steps, some of the analytical techniques? So you know, beyond the things you would expect, you know, how to run engineering teams, how to do complex projects, how to do you know, really kind of extreme engineering. There were sort of three things that, that I took away that really inform what, uh, what I do at Lime Metal. The first and probably most important one was, you know, you, you got to think commercially. No matter how elegant a technology happens to be, no matter how beautiful the equipment is or whatever, you know, in the end, it's got to turn into usually a pretty big plant that runs efficiently, has high uptime. And most importantly, produces whatever it produces at the lowest possible cost. Right. And so, you know, when we, when we approach technology development at Lime Metal, uh, what we're really looking at is when we're when we're doing things sort of at the, the, the bench and pilot scales, we're always thinking about what's the impact that this is going to have on the full-scale plant. You kind of go bottom up and top down all the time. And, and that's a process you're constantly revisiting. So that's like one. Uh, the second one is... You know, we have to start with the fundamentals, but get your hands dirty as quickly as possible. Uh, fundamentals, because nothing that you know doesn't pass the back of the envelope calculation is ever really going to be successful. There's no amount of you know, detail you can add or analysis you can do or engineering you can do on, on an idea that doesn't have that, that core. Uh, but at the same time... You really need to put yourself in contact with the problem. That's really what what unearths all the unknowns. That's what shows you where the constraints are and really ultimately allows you to to solve the problem or or move things to the next step. So that's two. And uh, the third one was you know a real appreciation for the fact that there's no person who's got the full package. Everybody's got you know something to bring to the table. and when you're doing anything, you know building anything is hard but building something completely new or developing a new technology, that's many times more difficult. And so you really need to be be careful and, uh, and build your team accordingly. Nowhere is that more true than sort of at the very beginning. And I think, uh, uh, I've been incredibly fortunate, you know, that my co-founder and I, I think complement each other very, very well. Of course, my co-founder is uh, Tim Johnson, who's kind of a serial entrepreneur, great business insight, uh, also very deeply technical. So he and I you know, really see eye to eye uh, usually on technical matters. We take slightly different approaches in different areas, and I think those different approaches are appropriate at different times. And so I think a lot of the reason why we've been successful today is just because he and I work so well together. And, of course, at the beginning, you know, that really sets the tone, really sets the direction for the companies. So I think we've been, uh, yeah, it's been great, and hopefully we'll continue to be so.
1: And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. So those are th- that's a key insight. Those three aspects: thinking commercially, thinking about the fundamentals, then the diversity on the team with different skill sets. So, thank you for sharing that. Now, from a high level, I'd like to get into exactly what Lime Metal does and why you founded the company. You know, investors understand that you know lithium and battery technology are these massive themes uh, for innovation and for the future, but how ultimately do you plan on commercializing this?
2: Yeah, so it's uh, you know, what, what really drove us to found the company was just the, the recognition that there was this looming problem developing in the, in the supply chain, especially, you know, never mind lithium-ion batteries, which of course you know, we're, we're pretty familiar with, uh, with some of the issues there. But you know, there's this there's this macro trend, of course, of electrification, but underlying that is that there's a changeover in technology that's happened. Lithium ion batteries have sort of, it has been a lot of innovation on the cathode, it's pushed up uh, energy density and so forth, but there's only so much you can do with that. There's a fundamental step change that's coming with next generation batteries, and that's driven by the use of high energy anode materials. So, this is on the other side of the, the battery, the other electrode. And of course, when you change something that fundamental about a battery you're you're using a different anode material that means uh, the entire supply chain on the upstream of that or significant portions of it have to be rethought and so what we saw was these technologies were coming to fruition you know late stage uh, development early stage commercialization and there wasn't much thought being given to the supply chain for for these critical components so that's really where lime metal comes in you know we're focused on Uh, developing and commercializing technologies for the production uh, of high-performance anodes for next-generation batteries. We're really uh, uh, aiming to be a midstream uh, player or a supplier to the battery makers. We're key enablers of of that transition to the next-generation batteries.
1: Now, can you tell our listeners what exactly is a lithium anode and what's its role in battery technology?
2: Sure. So currently... Lithium ion batteries use what's called an intercalation anode. So what this means in practice is a, a copper substrate and coated onto that is an engineered graphite powder. And so lithium ions sort of migrate through the electrolyte and they intercalate, which really means sort of stuff themselves in between the layers into the structure of the graphite. And so the graphite has a certain capacity for holding uh, lithium ions and you know, once you exceed that, basically you can't you can't store any more energy. Uh, and so there's a uh, there's a certain thickness and mass and and uh, amount of material that's associated with that. What a what a when we say lithium metal anode, what we're actually saying is an anode that is primarily metallic lithium. So it doesn't need an intermediary, it doesn't need a storage medium. It's actually being stored as the metal itself. So you can imagine, you know, if you have something inside packaging you know something and you get a uh, product inside an amazon box uh obviously there's a lot of extra material there you know so it's like storing something in that amazon box is sort of analogous to uh, your your graphite uh, uh graphite uh, interpolation material well with lithium metal anodes it's just the, the product it's just the thing you want it's just the thing that's going to store energy in your battery and so inherently what that means is you have a higher energy density battery and it's like the capacity is about 10 X, right? So it's a significant, significant change. That's why you're getting that step change in performance. Right. And and sorry, I can, I can add to that. I mean, sure. what does that, what, what role does it play? I mean, ultimately it's what allows you to, to get to those longer ranges. It's what allows you to unlock, you know, niches like uh, electric emo uh, uh, air mobility. Uh, it's what, when you, facilitate these next generation batteries which have sort of inherently safer characteristics you 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 unlock that safety so the more you can speed up adoption of those batteries the the sooner you get uh, those uh, virtuous characteristics being incorporated into our products
1: and we did want to touch on the safety that you mentioned and also the energy density but prior to getting into that I did want to quickly discuss the competitive environment within battery technology. What are you saying on the lithium anode side?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, if we sort of take a step back, the next generation battery space, you, you tend to have a, a pretty broad range of approaches that are being, uh, that are being pursued. So you have some uh, battery technologies using silicon-based or silicon-rich anodes, you have a whole slew of technologies that use lithium metal, whether that's in a solid-state battery or a hybrid uh, lithium metal you know, liquid electrolyte battery, or even lithium sulfur battery. So there's this there's this range of technologies that that's out there that's vying for uh, the next generation sort of uh, market. As I said, you know the the supply chain for those to provide anode components to those uh, batteries has been sort of late in uh, in. coming. So the supply chain for next generation batteries has been understandably slow to develop because of course the the technologies are only now just starting to sort of reach the point of commercialization. What tends to happen or what we've seen uh, happen is that we have the, let's say traditional suppliers of battery chemicals have also been the the suppliers of lithium type chemicals, including metallic lithium and, and several different forms. So most of what's been done to date has been done on lithium metal foils. So Mm. these, these groups will produce metallic lithium ingots. They can transform those into foils. And that's what's been incorporated in most of the development um, uh, batteries that have been uh, produced today. Uh, As we're seeing these things, you know, uh, approach commercialization, you are starting to see a bit of uh, effort being put towards this. So there's uh, companies that are let's say equipment suppliers that are starting to look that you're seeing some of the battery companies also working uh, a bit more on anodes, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're in a sort of unique position in that we're trying to develop really a technology stack, something that will allow us to, uh, to economically provide these materials, these critical materials or these materials which are critical for, for next generation batteries. And of course, to, to do that in a, uh, in an economical
1: way. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And so, how are your batteries lighter, more energy dense, and, and safer overall?
2: Yeah. So, so um, you know, we're not we're not a battery producer per se, but because so much of the performance improvement of next generation batteries comes from the anode. Obviously, what we do and, and how we uh, produce our products has an impact on that. So there's really two ways. Uh, one is, you know, our process—it's a deposition process. So unlike foils, where you take you know a big hunk of lithium metal, squeeze it through a die, and then roll that flat, um, we actually take our our lithium and we deposit it in very thin layers onto the current collector that that becomes a component in the battery. So. What we're actually able to do is we're able to minimize the amount of lithium metal we, we put in. Lithium foils bottom out sort of around the 20 micron mark, which means at minimum you're putting in 20 microns, usually closer to 40 microns of lithium metal. We're able to put in as little as five. We've even done down to three and can probably go less than that. So there's a, there's a natural sort of uh, reduction in the total material that goes into the so that's one way in which to get sort of volumetrically uh, more uh, energy into a battery. Uh, the second aspect is, you know, so that's kind of true for our first generation products, which really seek to mimic uh, sort of current metallic uh, lithium anodes in a much cheaper form. Our second and third and fourth generation products, some of the things that we're working on include substitutions of the substrate material. So rather than using copper, which is quite dense and frankly costly, what we're what we're working on have had some success in doing is incorporating rather than a copper current collector, a an aluminum uh, current collector. And aluminum is you know about a third of the density of copper. Uh, it's also about a quarter of the cost, so that helps a lot too. But uh, you know when you when you reduce the weight of the current collector, of course, again you're helping the energy density of the, or the specific energy of the battery. And so those are some ways in which what we do on, on the product side can in influence uh, the, the ultimate performance of the battery. And I guess, you know, on the safety side, I'll touch on that as well. Um, again, it's sort of a, a matter of enabling these technologies that are inherently safer. So what we do specifically doesn't necessarily change the safety profile of the battery, but by enabling these safer batteries, you're kind of uh, you know, enab- enabling future battery packs to, to be made with safer materials.
1: And then, somewhat tied to that,
2: you mentioned less volume, um, substituting aluminum
1: versus copper. Can Can you also talk touch on the environmental impact of of these decisions and and the design that you're thinking of versus the how how competitors would would put these sure. put these together?
2: Sure, I, I can, and I mean. The, the, the first thing is, again, uh, a material use thing and, and conserving the resource, right? Like lithium metal, production of lithium metal is, is very energy intensive. And you know, we have something like aluminum as an energy intensive material, where lithium on a unit mass is about twice as energy intensive to produce. So the less lithium you can incorporate into the battery, just from a production standpoint, significantly reduces the the, let's say, energy use content of the manufactured product. So that's one way. The other way is actually more on the lithium metal production side. So we have the, the, the process that we're, we're working to, to scale up and commercialize, which you know, we've already sort of proven at, at smaller scales. Uh, it uses uh, lithium carbonate as the feedstock uh, material. And when you contrast that with the conventional lithium metal production process, Uh, That process uses lithium chloride. Lithium chloride, when you split it to get the metallic lithium out, you produce chlorine gas. In fact, what you know most people don't realize is you produce about five tons of chlorine gas for every ton of lithium metal you produce. So that's like you know basically it's a chlorine, an expensive chlorine gas production process that happens to produce a little bit of lithium on the side. The implications of that lithium or that chlorine gas production are that you know, you have to capture that that gas. It's highly toxic, highly, highly corrosive. You have to capture it. Uh, you have to typically use a scrubber to um, to convert it to another sort of more inert or more benign uh, product. Typically, you'll, you'll end up with something like a bleach or a brine uh, at the end of that process, both of which are, you know, in, in some cases with the bleach, you can use it in some other process, but most of the time it ends up being a, effectively a waste material. And so just eliminating that portion of, of that, Equation really helps with the, the footprint of the the environmental footprint of the metal production process, and of course, you know, it, the thing works as a whole. So, the total uh, footprint of the uh, anode uh, is, is reduced as a result of that. Um, I should also note that you know, just electrochemically splitting lithium carbonate is a lot easier. It, it's done at a lower energy than splitting lithium chloride. So, there's sort of an inherent uh, electrochemical uh, benefit that. Should, um, you know, everything else being equal, result in a lower energy use at scale when you're uh, when you're producing that metallic uh, lithium.
1: So you've touched on the technology and what makes it you know more competitive than what is out there in the market. Now the company is in the scaling up and commercialization uh, stage. Do you want to discuss? Lime Metals plans to ramp up commercial scale production? Like what sort of infrastructure does this require? What are the requisite capital expenditures and what can investors expect from that process?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we have quite a, a what I think is a robust uh, uh, commercialization strategy. So uh, we're, we're aiming to be in, in full commercial scale production by 2025. So that's you know, at the gigawatt scale, our approach generally, you can think of it as, as an entrenched and grow. That's sort of the phrase we use uh, to, to encapsulate the strategy. And what that really means is uh, at this stage, what we're doing is we're feeding the developers. We're providing uh, sample materials where we're satisfying their need to have a high quality material that they can go and qualify their product with. You know, that ultimately the automakers or whoever the end user is of the battery has to be satisfied that it meets certain you know, quality and volume and cost characteristics. So what we're really doing now is providing that material for, for that uh, you know, development qualification process. And we're going to do that. You know, in terms of the infrastructure, uh, you know, I actually just came back from, from Rochester uh, like 10 minutes before our, our, our talk here. And what we're doing there now is we're in the process of commissioning a uh, pilot-scale roll-to-roll uh, line that will allow us to produce you know, on the order of thousands to tens of thousands of, of meters of anode in the coming year, and that's really you know that's feeding into the process. While we're doing that, we're already actually you know, in the late stages of engineering for the full-scale equipment, and we'll soon be beginning uh, engineering on the uh, on the plant, and that's what I call the the uh, Commercial scale demonstration plant, which is really like a single unit or a single line that would be then duplicated many times in order to produce a commercial plant. So that um, that commercial scale demo plant will really showcase the technology. It'll show, uh, you know, it'll demonstrate its economic characteristics. It'll demonstrate its availability, uptime, all of these things. And of course, it's a much bigger machine. It's a much bigger uh, production capacity. We're talking now. That's like about a million. As square meters of anode translates to about 250 300 megawatt hours of, of equivalent uh, battery production capacity. So there now you're you're within a really easy scaling distance to that gigawatt scale. So our plan is to have that facility up and running sort of early 2023. So we're moving quite quickly. So that's sort of the the, the feed the developers uh, portion of the, the strategy. Uh, the other key element is to be to be a reliable local supplier of these materials. So as things move through qualification, and as uh, you have adoption of next generation battery technology, you're going to see a lot of pressure put on the supply of lithium metal, and that's why we feel a key element of that is for Li Metal to be able to produce its own lithium metal. Uh, to that end, you know we're we're right now building out a facility just north of Toronto uh, that will house our uh, lithium metal uh, production process piloting line. Uh, that will have again sort of industrially relevant, uh, production capacity and industrially relevant scale, we're really at the point where we're, we're proving out the equipment that we will eventually be using to produce the, the, the final material. And, and, you know, assuming that all goes, uh, reasonably to plan, we'll be able to then be relatively self-sufficient in terms of lithium metal production for the, for the coming, uh, you know, couple of years. And of course, you know, that's to get to the, the technology to the point where it's in use, where it's starting to be, uh, where it's qualified, it's starting to be used in a, in a production you know, vehicle or, or production application. And at that point, it's a matter of scaling. So that's proliferating the technology. That's where you're really starting to, to build capacity and anticipation of, uh, of demand so that you can be there when it's needed. And, um, and, you know, capturing as much of that as is possible. So that's sort of into that 2020-25 uh, timeframe when you're really talking about, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of vehicles uh, per year of equivalent battery use.
1: So a big step in the development of the corporation to fund these massive plans was you recently took the company public from the Canadian Securities Exchange. What was that experience like and any tips and tricks that you would give to founders considering taking their company public?
2: So sure. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's not an easy undertaking to take a company public uh so it's it's quite a lot of work but look it's a it's a huge milestone for us and uh, i think a, a tremendous accelerator for the business you know it, sort of around this time last year we we had made the decision to really you know, expand our efforts on anode development and commercialization you know we had some really really promising uh, results from some of the earlier work we did and uh this was by far the best way for us to uh you know to get the capital into the company needed to, to to really build out that infrastructure that I that I talked about. I mean it's uh yeah, it's a uh, it's something that has I think a lot of facets to it. Obviously it makes it easier to access capital, that's that's key. Um I think look in the end we're trying to be a supplier to the automotive industry which means uh you know, we need to have credibility beyond technical credibility. Right. And I think having, you know, years of of uh, public uh disclosure and and all of that definitely helps. Uh, and I mean, it's a nice, nice side effect of that is of course that now we're out, we're at a fairly early stage and it gives everybody who's interested in the space an opportunity to sort of participate in our journey, which uh, you know, we're obviously very excited about. So uh, I think it's, you know, it, it, it was a, a great experience, but uh, I'm kind of, it's a milestone I'm seeing more in the rear view mirror now. And now it's right. just about you know, really focusing on, on delivering on the vision.
1: And for those investors potentially looking to participate in that vision or even uh, potential customers down the line, what will Li Metal look like in, say, 10 years?
2: Well, I, I think in 10 years, next generation batteries are just going to be called batteries. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, what, what we're looking to, to do is to be a, a top producer of anode materials and components. I mean, that's ultimately what, what's driven us. You know, you'll, you'll probably see. Uh, operations in North America and likely in, in Europe, sort of at the, the tens to hundreds of gigawatt hours of scale, really enough where you're, you're now able to service you know, millions of, of vehicles of equivalent production. So that's that's really what we're focused on. We want to get there. There's obviously a few steps before we do get there, but it's uh, uh, it's going to come quickly, and certainly the early stages will will be here, uh, you know, in a, in a couple of years. So very excited.
1: And Mate, prior to letting you go. One last question from a consumer standpoint, say in the next ten years, what can you know consumers such as us expect to be provided from these next generation batteries what, whether it's uh automotives or uh consumer technology, anything cool in your crystal ball
2: yeah uh, that's uh it's always hard to make predictions, especially about the future but i think I think uh, I think, uh you know, you'll you'll see alleviation. I don't think we're going to be talking about range anxiety anymore once uh, once right. these batteries come in. I think you'll see uh, you know, big changes in, in charging performance. I think uh, you know, we're not going to be seeing stories about uh, uh, about battery fires the way we do uh, uh, today. Um, I think you know. So those are sort of the the obvious ones. I think what's what's going to be really interesting is you know, whenever technology always builds on itself, right? right. So uh, whenever you have a new capability, like a, you've made a step change in the energy density of batteries, what's possible now? I mean, in the way that the lithium ion battery really made the smartphone possible, the, you know, the, the lithium metal-based battery will now make a, a whole slew of other applications either uh, viable or bring them into viability or just create new opportunities. So you know, again, the, the sort of clear ones today are, you can't really do you know, effective electric air mobility with mm-hmm. the current generation of, of, of lithium ion batteries. You will be able to do that with next generation batteries. Same thing with robotics. You know, you, you'll be able to do a lot more with robotics than you can today. You'll be able to do a lot more with drones than you can today uh, with, with next generation batteries. So I think things will look very different because of that, because we'll have all of these uh, exciting niches sort of uh, open up that, that aren't really possible today.
1: Well, that's something to look forward to is fine cars, those e projects look. Finally.
2: I mean, pretty it's. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we were promised what? It was a 2015, uh, if I remember my back to the future, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about time. So, it's about time. <laughs> to the extent that investors want to check out the Lime Metal story, trading under the ticker symbol LIM on the Canadian Securities Exchange. So, Mache, thank you for coming on the show, sharing the lime metal story, the technology, and your future predictions. Hopefully they come to fruition and wish you the best of luck.
2: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
1: All right. Take care. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained, this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast and any liability is
2: expressly disclaimed.